So good to be with you. Let's pray. Father, we just bring our hearts to You. Um, and Lord, we just pray that Your Holy Spirit would touch each and every one of us. God, that any blind, spiritual blindness, Lord, any strongholds, Lord, we take authority over, we bring them into captivity. That God, we would not only understand Your Word, that, uh, that we will respond the way You want us to. Amen. God bless you guys. Please take your seats. Our series, don't let the enemy have a seat at your table. We're speaking about the mind, protecting the mind and using the Word of God. Remember, the Word of God must be used actively. Don't just rely on your Sunday drive-through. In a way, Sunday can be like going through McDonald's, right? We need to spend time in the Word. But I want to tell you something about your mind. It's the one thing you may think belongs to you. But it actually either belongs to the enemy or belongs to God. So we want to move your mind today in the right direction. So the purpose of the series is to understand the attack of the unseen spiritual enemy, learn how to resist him and protect ourselves. So we're not here to give glory to Satan. We're not here to magnify him or testify about him. But if you have an enemy who wants to destroy you, you need to know something about him. Would you agree? Okay. But I want to start by clarifying the image of the seat at the table. <clears throat> For centuries, the table's always been the place where the family have come together after a long day's work. It's where the main nourishment has come from. It's a place where, where people who know one another, love one another, can get together, share opinions and ideas, receive counsel and direction. Guys, you need to get the family table back where phones are off, everybody's sitting at the table. You might be wondering what you should do. How, how do I help my kids? Well, why don't you make it at least twice or three times a week? Imagine if you spent 150 days, let's just take that, or 200 days with your families. I promise you, you will see a massive difference. You don't have to change schools, find a Christian school, blah, blah, blah. Just bring the family together. It's where, it's where we are influenced. But you know what you don't want? You don't want the enemy at your table. You don't want him to influence your thinking. You don't want him to determine your decisions and your direction. Because we have an enemy whose sole aim is to turn us away from God, to shame us and to destroy us both in this life and the next. He's quite happy if your life is in tatters and you just manage to creep into heaven or His best uh, plan is for you to spend eternity with Him in a lake of fire, right? Okay, we don't want that. Um, and we're trusting God to give us direction today. You know what Peter said? Remember Peter was the one who said to Jesus, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll, and he, of course, denied Jesus three times. And so he says this in his first letter, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him, be strong in your faith. Guys, we cannot afford to get up in the morning and not be alert. 
You say, oh, Graham, that's so much. I mean, there's 365 days a year. Have I got to be alert even on holiday? Yes, just have a good quality quiet time. Just give your mind, give your life over to Christ. But guys, we have to be alert because He's looking for a moment of weakness to attack us. But you know what the problem is? That all recent research polls have shown even amongst Christians, there's only a small minority who believe in the existence of Satan and his demons. So guys, the worst possible thing is for you to think the only enemy you've got is your mother-in-law or your boss. Okay. Not your mother-in-law. Your mother-in-law is a great supporter. I know that. And you know what? We think evil is in people. And of course, the movie script writers will creatively give us a whole lot of nonsense. Okay, let me read to you, I believe, one of the key passages for our series concerning spiritual protection. And um, I'm, I'm going to read the intro to the passage because it leads into the armor of God. A final word. This is Paul at the end of his letter. Be strong in what? In the Lord and His mighty power. <clears throat> Guys, where does your strength lie? Not in your ability to make money. It's not in your ability to do well at sport. It's always in the Lord. Put all on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. You have to know that the enemy is a great strategizer. Doesn't want you to know that he's asked for a seat at your table. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. <clears throat> Guys, this can be one of my main points. He uses people. You need to identify the enemy behind the enemy. Okay? But, we, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. There is another dimension, and this is mentioned several times in Scripture, where there is an evil <clears throat> presence. And for some reason, I'm going to ask God one day, that enemy force is allowed to operate on our physical earth and is, an, is allowed to attack, obviously, with limitations. Remember, if it speaks about rulers and authorities, it means that the spiritual world is organized, sometimes better organized than we are. So we are coming against an organized enemy. And, uh, and of course, Jesus, on several occasions, if you read the Gospels and, of course, the Acts, there were clashes with demon forces and with the enemy. And Jesus had absolutely no qualms about speaking against the enemy. He said he's a thief. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't get involved with spiritism or Satanism. I would say I'd rather get into drugs because I'm telling you, now I know don't get into drugs, but let me tell you this. Demons don't leave you. They keep coming back. So stay away from Ouija boards. I remember spending years praying for a lady who had at school got involved with Ouija boards. Don't play with the spiritual world. Stay away from darkness. Amen. And if you have got involved, repent. Very simple. Repent. They are macho. They are stubborn. They hate to let go. But you know what? God provides protection for Christians. 
If you're not serving God, I implore you to give your life to Christ this morning. Because immediately uh, there's a greater measure of protection. I never forget the day we were going home from holiday. The kids were still at school. And God said to me, rebuke death. I mean, it was like, where did that come from? I started to speak in tongues, taking authority over death. Next minute, the sports car was on the wrong side of the road coming straight for us. And it was as if something lifted the car and it missed us by millimeters. And I do believe God, God will warn us if the attack is coming. But for some reason, Satan has certain access to God. Uh, he's called the accuser of the brethren. We read in the book of Job how he said to God, you know what, you're protecting this man. Remove the protection. Give me a chance to have a go at him and I'll prove that he doesn't love you. Same with the 12 disciples. Jesus said to them, Satan has asked permission to sift you as wheat. And I want to tell you that there are moments in our spiritual life where he asks permission. And then things can come against us. One lady phoned me from another church who was on their staff. said, please don't think I'm a weirdo. God has told me to pray for you that there's going to be an attack. And about seven or eight things hit us. Thank God I was aware it was a spiritual attack. So guys, we need to know that God wants us to be alert. He wants us to put our protection in place. The power of the enemy was broken by Jesus at the cross. We can be free. If you give your life to Christ, He will set you free from addictions, from obsessions, from, from depression. Um, all of that happens when we submit to Christ and say, please become my Lord and Savior. Let me read Colossians 2.15. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. So how do Christians end up having negative interactions with the enemy by allowing the enemy a seat at their table? When Christians are, end up in a terrible place, it's because they have given permission. Remember, those that are unsaved, they just give automatic permission. And that's why there's so much evil and so much chaos in the world. But I want to promise you, if you've given your life to Christ, you can refuse Him permission to come to your table. Amen. So strategy, it's so important. Um, I, let me just get that picture up there of the demon. Guys, he doesn't come to you like that. How many know you're going to firstly probably run for your life, but you're certainly not going to invite that to your table, are you? He comes in disguise and he deceives. Turn to the neighbor and say, the enemy comes in disguise. Come on, turn to the person. Absolutely. So the world is full of so-called compelling religions and belief systems. They don't have Christ at the center. And He is the source of those things. You've got to understand that. Okay, so no wonder people don't believe in the existence of the enemy if he's coming in disguise. Remember, his purpose is always to blind our minds. You see, what's happened, God has not given Satan permission to tear you apart limb by limb. He has permission to enter your mind. Now we know that. 
because even Jesus was tempted. And when he resisted the devil, the temptation of Jesus in, in Luke and in Matthew, it says the enemy left him for a season until another opportunity. So right through Jesus' life on earth, Satan had access to his mind to tempt. So I don't think, well, I'm a Christian and we had a great son. I enjoyed the worship and I'm fine. No, you've got to have your protection in place. Okay, and let me tell you this. His greatest disguise is coming through people. Remember what I read? The enemy is not flesh and blood. So sometimes you just end up in this crazy scenario. Have you ever, you don't know how you made that enemy. It could be at work. I mean, it's a family. Suddenly you're the black sheep and it's chaos around you. And you get very upset. You get very angry. You're very hurt. Well, why don't you forgive that person? Ask God to give you understanding. And why don't you deal with the enemy behind the enemy? Because remember this, that we're instructed to be full of the Holy Spirit, to overflowing, to the extent to which there is space in your life and your heart, the enemy will use it. So very often it could be a Christian friend. You say, well, I'm okay, back to the church. That has happened and they were gossiping about me and this happened. But you need to understand that this is a walk together where we mature together. There are times when each of us is the enemy. Come on, where you are, oh, you wuss, and, and this is it, and, and you're telling everyone, you've missed, and you, guys, we've got to understand that the enemy will use people. And you know what the greatest thing he uses are friends. I can give you so many biblical stories. Friends who are not committed fully to Christ. They're not submitted. And it's friendships that last forever. Gee, I, I can give you so many stories of people who were in this church in the early 1990s. They're still Facebook friends, even though they live all around the world. And I'll tell you what, the power of the enemy to use your friend, you say, not my friends. Whoops. The enemy comes in disguise with deception. Can we take that? Okay, so Ephesians 6 verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet. You see, remember that the enemy wants to enter your mind to remove your salvation or he wants you never. So I'm never ever gonna become a Christian. Christians or whatever, whatever. Or I've got this belief system, but it's the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword is the only offensive weapon if we look at the, the body armour that, that Paul talks about. Guys, you've got it in your quiet time. Find verses and passages that you can use when the enemy comes your way. You can't be blank. You go into an exam and you haven't studied and you're blank. Because the Word of God says that God will bring to remembrance that which you've learned, not that which you haven't learned, right? So we, we, are you getting it? So let's read Romans 12, 1 to 2, and I think it's a key scripture when it comes to the mind. Therefore, I urge you, I urge you, I 
urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, remember, God is merciful. We've never deserved salvation. To offer your bodies, in other words, your being, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The greatest level of your worship is offering yourself up. Not necessarily, yes, it's included when we're singing these beautiful songs and we're, we're, we're close to God. Yes, that's worship. But when you offer your being, that's the true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Guys, ask yourself the question, am I thinking exactly the same as everybody on Facebook? Everybody at the office? Everybody at school? I don't think differently. Then that's got to be an alarm bell ringing. But be transformed, transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's, what God's will is. His pleasing and perfect will. Guys, it's so important that we can follow the will of God. We can't just be confused. Remember, God is not the author of confusion. But if you haven't submitted your mind to Him, there will be confusion. So the first thing is total submission to Christ and the control of the Holy Spirit. It's so interesting in Romans 8, 5 to 8, it speaks about the battle between the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the human nature. I don't know what God, why God never removed our human nature when we got saved. I don't know. But the human nature, the Word of God said, is hostile to God. So it's only when the Holy Spirit is in control that our thoughts are thoughts that please the Spirit. Are we making sense? So we're going to do that every single day. James 4 verse 7, so humble yourself before God. Some, some versions say submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. A lot of Christians start resisting the devil in the name of Jesus and then they flee. They forget the submission. Guys, if you just, ah, run, I'm the devil, I'll get you devil. You devil, rebuke you devil. Off you go. The devil just laughs. He said, you're not submission. Who are you in submission to? And in submission to me, says the devil. So you can kick and you can scream and you can punch and you can command the Word of God, but you're the one who's going to flee. Okay. <laughs> so, but guys, renewing of the mind is not a matter of getting all the, let's just get Scriptures into place and the do's and the don'ts. It's a transformation. The Holy Spirit transform your mind. See, the big thing is for us to know what's God's part and what's our part. We live in a passive world. You can't be passive. You've got to put on certain things. Paul talks about take off the old nature. Put on. So you can get up in the morning. Tell me, how many of you get up in the morning and think, I'm tired? So you go to work in the nude. You haven't put your clothes on. No. You know this is what I put on. The last thing you put on your shoes. I remember doing a court case and having one black shoe and one brown shoe. How many, how many of you go to work in the nude? Anyone here? But you know what? We're happy to go to work without our spiritual armor. Because we woke up late, because you were surfing the web till two in the morning. It's so important that don't move until you're in submission. Okay. Can I leave it and move on? 
Submission first. Secondly, we've got to be alert to test your opinion. Now, you can't do it all day, but I think there are key moments. Are my views, are my perspectives, are the things I want to do product of the mind of God? So I would say, first thing in the morning, I say the beginning of downtime. Because you know what downtime is? I'm free to think what I want and do what I want. Have you ever think that? Where you, you know, you're at work and you've got to think this way, think that way, smile at the clients and the customers, even though you, you wring their necks and, and everything. And you, and you come to church and, you, and you, your mind is now aligned with God. But then downtime, normally between nine and midnight, where does downtime lead us? That's a time to say, you know what, God? I'm submitting. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be alert. Um, and that's so important. We've got to establish the origin, the truthfulness, and the righteousness of our thinking patterns. Look, that's me. This is me. You can't change me. This is what I think. God is saying, please, test that. Test that belief. Test that thought. Um, uh, so there are always three origins of thoughts. God, yourself, or the enemy. We need to ask God for wisdom. You know what happens when the enemy lives at our table? His thoughts are received over a period of time and then it becomes us. So it's the same thing. Your human nature and the enemy are one and the same thing. But we have to do it because Satan disguises himself, the Bible says, as an angel of light. You know what? If you think this and do this, you're going to be rich. This is going to happen and you're going to be happy. And I just want to read one verse, Proverbs 14, 12 in the voice version. Before every person, every person lies a road that seems to be right. But the end of that road is death and destruction. What am I saying? I don't want to scare the heck out of you. I do want to scare the hell out of you. Yeah, okay. That's the best thing. I, want, I just want you to understand, don't just allow your thoughts free reign. Where are they leading you? And what I believe is when we submit to God, even as maybe a new Christian or everything suddenly got complicated. Have you ever been in that way? You think, woo. Do you ever remember, do you remember the back of those old TV sets with millions of wires? Sometimes I think life gets like that. But you know what? Even if your decision is a little wrong because you're immature. God will always protect you. But the key is submitting to God, saying, look, this family scenario, I don't know what to do. God will lead you. Um, but we need to know the origin of our thoughts. Sorry, let me, pages are stubborn. Okay, so renewing the mind. It's something that should happen daily. The word renew means to refresh. It means to restore to perfection, the way Adam and Eve thought before sin came in. There are three basic elements, and I would like to just have that picture up. And I'd like you to just leave it up for a little while. Your mind consists of thoughts, emotions, and desires. And sometimes you say, you might say to me, Graham, I really want to think the way God wants me to think. But your emotions are in a total mess. All your desires are overpowering. There's just this overpowering desire that is controlling your thoughts. Um, just leave it up there. Leave it up there for a while. Thoughts 
Can I just say something about your thoughts? Have you ever asked yourself, where is this pattern of thinking leading me? Because there's always an end road. What am I going to be like? What is it going to look like if these thoughts remain with me? Guys, with me? Is it going to lead to happiness, peace with God, joy, fulfilling the identity and the purpose God has for you? Or is it going to end up in broken relationships, a smashed up family, divorce, depression, all kinds of issues? Do you know something? The enemy knows exactly where your thoughts are leading. You can't be ignorant. You have to think. You know what? When I've got downtime or space, I'm thinking this. Is it, does it have a good ending. Don't ever think your thoughts exist in isolation. It's a funny thing. We, we um, you know, every so often we have uh, a church discipline. Thank you. Thank God it's not that often. And somebody's done something and they say, you know what? It, it was just a once-off. It's not a once-off. A thought, a thought has developed and it's grown and it's, moved into desire, and there's an emotional side to it. So thoughts, where is it leading me? Then emotions, oh my hat. We live in an emotional world, but you've got to know God gave you your emotions for a purpose. You do know that. And it's a good thing. We're not a bunch of robots. When you meet that person of your dreams, you've got to be emotional. You've got to be able to say, I love you. you, you they, ladies, husband says, but I work hard for you, but I don't feel I'm loved. Any ladies feel that ever? Don't put your hand up or you can nudge your husband because it's emotion. And let me tell you, coming to Christ, the, the, the emotion that we expressed, our joy, that's godly. Without that emotion, guys, I don't think you're going to get close to God. What's up there? I'm not emotional. God, I love you. You are a good God. No. And do you know what? Sometimes our sorrows and our sadness will lead us to God. Think of the prodigal son. Got to the end of himself and he turned to God. Okay, so are we there? So now it's so important for you to know that your emotions demonstrate the way you interpret life. You can have two people in the same family, the same set of circumstances, and the one is cheerful, the one is seeing things positively, the one is joyful, and the other one is depressed anxious, fearful, down, and destroyed. It's not the circumstances that determine your emotions. It's your thought life. And then what happens when the thought lives leads to strong emotions, the emotions lead to more thoughts. And that thought life can then be quite dangerous. You guys all with me? Do you agree with me? So I want to say this. So your, your, your emotions are an outward expression of your inward life. But... Your emotions should exist to report to you, not to define and dictate to you. I'm down. It's, it's so interesting. Read the Psalms of David. He starts expressing his emotions in every one of them. Then he arrives at the truth and he's lifted up. So rather let your emotions say to you, you know what? You're in a bad place. You need to Submit your emotions to God. Guys, there's no other way. And so I love 
Psalm 23, and it's one of our key uh, passages for the series. This is how David starts. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. Yo, what a statement of faith. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Then he goes on to say, He renews my strength. He guides me along paths and He's with me through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what he's saying? The first thing we do when things are wrong, when things have gone pear-shaped, is to allow the Holy Spirit to take you to the green meadow and the peaceful stream. Got to remember, historically, Israel was a desert. So you wouldn't naturally find the, the stream. Supernaturally. Guys, that's when you ask God for His supernatural strength. Remember that peace is your God-given right. Peace that passes all understanding. Joy that's unspeakable. You say to me, Graham, I don't know when last I had peace. Why don't you say, Holy Spirit, in this desert environment of my current life, I'm asking you to take me to a peaceful stream. With me? Does that help anyone here? So it's emotions, thoughts. Last one is your desires. Oh, my hat. God has given us desires. And we've got five senses. And we've got television. And we've got the internet. And we've got advertising. Desires pop up everywhere. Huh? Guys, a nice lady walks past. Girls, a hunky guy walks past. There's desire. That's why I don't have any desires. You do. The thing is, the question is, have you submitted your desires to God? Or you're allowing the enemy. You know what he said to Eve? He saw that Eve looked at that tree. God said, you can eat of anything except that tree. And she had a desire. So he came along and he took her desire, which led to sin. We can go on right through the Bible. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> because you see, desire starts with thoughts and then it once again stokes up another line of thoughts that leads to action. Sometimes it can be good. And I'm going to read a scripture because God intends you to desire Him. Psalm 37, 4, Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Trust in the Lord. Trust Him. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. You know, I've seen this over years. I will wrestle with something and when I hand it over to God and say, you know what, you're first. Along the line, God gives me what I desire. Our problem is the enemy just said, take what you desire, it's yours. Wrong way around. God will never leave you. He didn't put desire inside of you for nothing. Because remember, your desires are God-given. You guys with me? So can we just have that, that picture back up again? I want you to go home with it. Let's have that triangle. Yoo-hoo! Wakey, wakey. There we are. Your mind. You say, Graham, my mind's all over the place. I tell you what, Monday morning, Nine o'clock, you'd better hope your mind's in order. 
Because if you're an emotional wreck because of the weekend, you're not going to be able to do your work, are you? If you're so consumed with certain desires. So guys, as Christians, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, wherever you are, you want your mind to be renewed. Transformed by the renewing of your thoughts, your emotions and your desires. Amen. Last Scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4. We are human. We don't wage war as humans do. Guys, if somebody comes at you, you don't fight back underhand, kicking them wherever. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Those of you that are so concerned about your family, why don't you start in the name of Jesus taking authority over blindness, of authority over alcohol, authority over all these things that are stopping them from serving God? Why not? If not, why not? Let's stand. Come on, let's stand. It's been an awesome time in the presence of God. And guys, please, I want you to take away. I don't want you to be consumed about the enemy. I want you to be consumed about God's way of protecting you. That He has defeated the enemy, but you cannot allow Him a seat at your table. Guys, if you've been allowing Him to sit, will you say sorry, God? Can we just pray together? Come on. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that you have given me the privilege of renewing my mind by submitting my thoughts, by submitting my emotions and submitting my desires to you. And I repent of allowing the enemy a seat at my table. Please renew my mind so that I might have a lack of life in you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, wait. <laughs> okay. I never asked the last question and we don't have time. If, if you've given your life to Christ for the first time, the first time you've prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand? I just want to see. The first time or maybe in a long time that you've said yes to Jesus. Thank you, there's a hand. There's a hand. I mean, come on. We've all done this. Anyone else? Because guys, without that initial submission and saying, please forgive me. Guys, we're lost. The enemy has control of our mind, control of our decisions. Anybody else? Yes to Jesus. I'm not asking you to join the church or get religious. If you get religious, you're going to be in trouble. Anyone else? I thank you, Lord, for those who raised their hands. And come on, let's be, we're going we're gonna to go into baptism, amen. And you're going to have a wonderful week. Awesome. Goodbye.